Um, at this time, before I get started talking, uh, we're going to dismiss the kids to their portion of the worship. So we'll go ahead and let them leave. <laughs> Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the annual, it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, so we're going to have Shane speak message. Uh, as I was preparing for this, I realized, I was looking back, and this is uh, four years straight that I've spoken on the Sunday before Thanksgiving, um, which works out because our pastors need some rest once in a while. Um, they need a, a break, so I'm, I'm happy to do it. So I'm glad to be here today. But uh, given this is the fourth time I've done this message before Thanksgiving, you'd think I'd be getting it down pretty good. Um, you know, last year when I was delivering this message, um, I used a verse from 1 Thessalonians. Um, thankfulness is, a, is an important thing for us as Christians and believers, uh, and it's an important concept in the Word of God. The verse that I used last year was from 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, verses 16 through 18, where it says, Rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When I gave this sermon last year at Meridian, I didn't have any idea how much this verse would mean to me over the course of the next year. Um, it encouraged me, uh, but more often than not, it really challenged me. Um, in the last year since I gave this message, uh, it's, it's been a tough year for us. And I know all kinds of different circumstances, mine don't compare to a lot of other folks, but it's been a wild roller coaster for us. I've gone from having the greatest amount of financial success that I've ever had at work to having every bit of that stripped away and then some. I've gone from thinking that my days in ministry were done because of an experience that I had earlier this year. I didn't want any part of it. I was done walking away. There have been a lot of circumstances like that. I've gone from having a court battle with a former employer in a situation where I didn't think I was doing anything wrong to being a whisper away from packing my whole family up and moving to Florida to take a new job. So it's been a roller coaster. And through all of this, all through the good and the bad, this verse has been there to comfort and challenge me in all of this. Just in the middle of thinking that I was done, I was walking away, Isaac takes a sabbatical, Kendra has an accident, and I get a phone call at 9 o'clock in the evening on a Saturday night from Matt Sprague saying, hey, would you like to come back and lead worship at Kelly Crossing? Honestly, I didn't know how we were going to be received. It's always awkward when you leave 
somewhere and you come back. I don't ever want to burn bridges in my life. And it's been touching to know that I didn't. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for welcoming me back. Um, this has been a really bright spot for us. Because 2018 has kind of sucked for us. It's been rough. But as we thought about this, this verse has challenged me and really taught us as a family to be thankful in every circumstance. Be thankful for friends who are there for us that encourage us in these circumstances. Be thankful for family who is there to listen to you and to counsel you in the good times and the bad, who have enough love for you to smack you upside the head when you're doing something wrong. That's what love is all about, and that's something that we need to be thankful for. You know, as a family, we have a love that binds us together. Part of the problem that makes things so rough is we forget about family sometimes, and it's so important. So all of this stuff has really worked to encourage us to think about what thankfulness really looks like. When Cameron was younger, he was a big fan of this cartoon called VeggieTales. <laughs> I will be completely transparent with you and let you know that one of the things that re I really lament about having a 21-year-old son is that VeggieTales isn't around anymore. <laughs> We've got VHS, and I can't find a VHS to play these videos on. But, okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're goodies. They're goodies. So, this I, what I loved about Veggie Tales was not only was Larry a cut up. I just loved Larry and all of his songs and the silliness that he did. But Veggie Tales taught really good lessons, not to the kids, but to the adults as well. And one of the songs that I love so much is stuck with me more than Larry's silly songs and all that was a song called The Thankfulness Song with Madam Blueberry. And for those of you that don't know, Madam Blueberry is a character who is fixated on stuff. She thinks that happiness is found in stuff, and if you don't have stuff, she doesn't understand how you can be happy. She doesn't understand how it's possible. So this song kind of addresses what thankfulness is really all about. And so through the miracle of technology and the helpful hand of Isaac Denniston, I figured out how to put this song into the presentation so you can watch this song with me and we can all get that bass together. So, Eduardo. I thank God for this day, for the sun in the sky, for my mom and my dad, for my piece of apple pie, for our home on the ground, for his love that's all around. That's why I say thanks heart is a happy heart. Those words have always stuck with me. 
especially over these last few months. Because going through everything that we've gone through, it's been really hard not to be bitter sometimes. Bitter about the fact that I'm being drugged through something when I was acting with the utmost integrity, but because somebody has a vendetta against me, now I have to go to court. Bitter about all the circumstances, about how things are given and things are taken away. I found myself in this, what I, what I call, navel-gazing phase in life. I was so upset about what was happening to me, I was fixated on my belly button. Hard to see anymore, but... But I'm so fixated on myself, I forget about what else is going on around me. See, I, I need to understand, and what frustrates me about not being thankful or struggling with thankfulness and maybe not having as happy a heart is that pretty much everybody that I work with knows that I'm an ordained minister. They know who I am and what I stand for. So when I'm not happy or when I'm less than thankful, that shows. That's my witness to the people around me. And for the guys who didn't already know, Cameron and I went out on, our, on his 21st birthday and we got this tattoo. And what this is, is the Cairo. And the Cairo is the symbol of Christianity from the Constantine era. It's an X and a P, which were the first letters of the word for Christian at the time. It has the sign for Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The words are names for God. It has a crown for our King of Kings. Crosses that paid the price for us. Doves that represent the peace that He brings into our life. So this symbol marks me as a Christian to anyone who happens to see my left arm when I'm out in battle. It's actually been a really good conversation starter with some folks. I joke with Cameron, if the end times are coming and they start rounding up Christians, he and I are going to be the first ones they grab because it's out here and we can't get rid of it. But as I've struggled with my attitude and trying to get into a more thankful state of mind, I've been more and more convicted about what exactly it is that I'm supposed to be thankful for. And that idea is who I am in Christ. Terrence and I have had this conversation as we were leading up to all of this. I feel really convicted about fully grasping who we are in Christ. Because if we understand who we are in Christ and we root ourselves in that knowledge, thankfulness and happiness fall right into place. So today we're going to take a closer look at who we are in Christ in order to gain a more firm foundation and we're going to see how things improve once we understand the dynamics of this relationship. Now, before we get started in that, we need to get the base down, right? The relationship in Christ. If you are here today and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, everything that you're going to listen to today is something that's right there within your reach. If you're here today and you have accepted Christ as your Savior, and you've made that decision, this is the present reality in your life right now. So if you haven't made the decision, and this isn't your reality right now, don't tune me out. Listen to me, okay? Because everything we're going to talk about today, this identity, is just right there within your reach. So the first thing 
that I want to convey to you, and the first thing that is important for us to understand in our identity in Christ is the fact that you are his child. When we talk about this idea of being children as parents, we make our children in our image through genetics, through DNA. How many times do we hear this, you know, a young woman is told, boy, you sure look like your mom. Or a young man, you know, Cameron gets it all the time, boy, you sure do look like your daddy. There's no denying that boy. That's us making our children in our image. If we look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we get a glimpse of this concept. Genesis 1:27 tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God created you in his image. That brings a whole new meaning to the phrase, you sure do look like your father. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, it says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved, the beloved being Christ in this instance. See, God set a plan in place for us to be brought into his family, to be adopted. He made us in his image and then he set forth a way that we can be brought into the family. He knew that we would need a way to get to him. And so he sent the beloved to take care of that for us. John 1, verses 12 and 13 says, But to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What a promise. We call ourselves Christ followers. We call ourselves Christians. The Bible says we are children of God. I am thankful today that I am a child of the one true king. The second thing that I want us to understand is that not only are we children of the one true king, we are known by the one true king. In this day and age, we yearn to be known. That's what social media is all about. We feel lost in the crowd. Like we can't get people's attention. So we use a platform like Facebook, like Instagram, like Twitter to make ourselves known. It gave us a chance to get our voice out to everybody because we have this yearning deep inside us to be intimately known by people. I come from a big family. I'm the oldest of five kids. So coming from a large family, if you're the parent of a large family, or you're a child in a large family, 
Being known is critical, but difficult. As the oldest, I tended to be a little bit more independent. I needed to be a little bit more independent because there was always somebody that had a crisis more important than me or something else going on that took precedent over me. How many of us feel like that in our day-to-day lives? As parents, we want to try to know all of our kids. But if you've got, I, can't, I tell my mom and dad all the time, I don't know how you did it. I've got one, and that's the limit for me. Five little kids tugging at pant legs, shirt tails, mom, 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 dad, dad. Oh, it drives me crazy. So we stop to think about, if we are children of God, that means everybody who's in a relationship with God is his child. That's millions of people. Millions. Millions of dad, 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 pulling and tugging. How can he know us? He does know us. Intimately. Moms. You know your kids like the back of your hands. And what you know about your children doesn't even compare to what God knows about each and every one of us. He knows us. Jeremiah 1.5 tells us, Jeremiah is talking to God in this portion of Scripture. God tells him, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you apart for a holy purpose. I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah's mom knew Jeremiah. He knows us because he formed us in the womb. He knew who we were before we even existed. That phrase, you before you were even a glimmer in your mom's eye or your dad's eye. He knew us before we were a glimmer in our parents' eyes. You are known by the one true king. He knows exactly how we're going to behave, how we're going to react. The idea of predestination that we just talked about when we talked about being a child of the king Predestination is kind of tricky. Some people say predestination means that God has already ordered everything out. He made the plan. He laid everything out. We're just puppets that are walking along the path. I believe predestination is the fact that he knows us so well, he knows exactly what we're going to do before we're going to do it. So because of that, he knew he was going to have to put a plan in place to adopt us into his kingdom. Because he knew what we were going to do. He knew that Eve was going to eat that fruit. He knew that Adam was going to follow suit. You really think that he was surprised when he came upon Adam and Eve covered in fig leaves? It was like, shock. No, not shock. He knew that it was coming because he knows us that well. But the ultimate expression in the word that I found that explains how well God knows us is in 1 Corinthians 6, 17. 
where it says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. When you come into a relationship with God, this isn't just a relationship. It tells us you are one spirit with him. How can he not know you if he is you? If you are his, you are known by your heavenly father more than you could ever hope to be known by anyone in your life. I think of my relationship with my wife. We know each other so well. January will be 22 years of marriage. Some of you have been married much longer than that. You know your spouse really well but you are not one spirit with your spouse. You can try, but you are not one spirit. We are two individuals that come together to work as one. God tells us we are one spirit when we come together with him. So you are God's child, not just a follower. And you are known by God. You don't have to search anywhere else. You are known by God. The third thing I want to talk about today, the third identity you need to know, is that you are loved by God. And He shows us love by creating us to be His children and knowing us as well as He does. But there are other ways that He loves us too. In John 15... Verse 13, Christ tells us, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Christ loved you so much that he died on the cross for you. You are loved. And in verse 14, he goes on, You are my friends if you do what I command you. Well, what does he command us? In John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, he tells us the command to be his friend. Where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that, here's the command, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He didn't come to punish us. He came to save us because he loves us. He wants to be our friend. He tells us exactly what to do to be his friend. He tells us exactly what to do to come into relationship with him. How can anyone possibly love us more than to give up their one and only son? I can't possibly think about anybody on this earth <laughs> that I would be willing to give Cameron up for. Can't even conceive of it. This story that Terrence shared last week about his brother ripped my heart to shreds. I, I can't fathom how much he loves us. He was willing to give his son on the cross and watch him die for us. 
You are so loved. The last thing that I want you to think about is not only are you a child of God, not only are you loved by God, not only are you known by God, but you are forgiven. That's a tough concept. We as human beings are not good with forgiveness. We're not good at giving it out. Whether we're giving it out to somebody else or we're giving it to ourselves, we're not good at this forgiveness gig. I've, I've been hearing a lot on the radio this weekend, they are releasing a documentary featuring Monica Lewinsky. 25 years ago, this 21-year-old woman was found to have been in an affair with the President of the United States. 25 years ago, when she was 21, this woman chooses to come back 25 years later and do a documentary because she's still so tortured by something that happened to her 25 years ago that she feels like she has to come out and give her side of the story in order to get some relief because her family has been drugged through the ringer. How many of us haven't been able to let go of what Monica Lewinsky did 25 years ago because of our political slant? How many of us are Democrats that are ticked off because she ruined and cast aspersions on our president? How many of us are Republicans who didn't like her because she brought dishonor on the office of the president? But 25 years later, this woman still has to try to earn forgiveness. We are terrible at forgiveness. I struggle with letting things go on myself. I'm awful at it. Being able to let things go. The most central thing to our relationship as Christians with God is this idea of grace. Grace unmerited favor. You can't earn grace. You cannot do anything to earn grace. Because if you did, it wouldn't be grace. It would be merited favor, and that's just a thank you. It's not grace. But it is central to everything that we do. It's what makes our relationship special. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. God doesn't just forgive us. He wipes it all away. It says here, the creation, the old, has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He forgets those sins. When you say, come into my heart, they're gone. You don't have to worry about them anymore. He's wiped it away. You are completely new. Forgiveness isn't even a word. He's like, what? You want forgiveness? Mm, you're new. 
Get rid of it. Forget about it. Psalm 103.12 tells us, as far as the east is from the west, so far He does remove our transgressions from us. He doesn't offer us forgiveness. He offers us forgetfulness. He forgets it. For those of you that have forgiven, have you forgotten? Never. As hard as we try, we can't forget. We can say we forgot, but we can't forget. It's indelibly marked in our brains. But God doesn't just offer us forgiveness. He forgets it. He throws it as far as the east is to the west. Romans 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. When Christ died on that cross, you were there with Him. If you accept Him as your Savior. One of the twisted things that this world has done to this message is to say that Christ just died for everyone willy-nilly. You don't have to have a relationship with Christ in order to get the gift. That everybody, He died once for all and everything was forgiven. And that is not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us we have to have a relationship with Him. And once we have that relationship with Him, we are put on the cross and crucified with Him. Our old self is crucified. Our new self raises up from the grave like Christ did on the third day. Rejoice always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He does not want us to be a somber people. He wants us to be a people who rejoice, who praise, who feel freedom because they don't have to deal with the burden of sin anymore. He took care of it. Knowing who we are in Christ helps us to center ourselves. It helps us bring us back to a place of thankfulness. And when we're thankful, we do become happier. If we don't appreciate things, if we aren't thankful for what we have, that leaves us bitter and cynical. Just like I have been all year. <laughs> and I've been very convicted. I always joke. This is one of those, I'm not even got a finger pointed out. They're all four pointing back at me. The hardest ones to give are the ones where you're looking straight in the mirror. But when we're thankful, it puts us in a more positive mindset. And that more positive mindset increases our witness to the people around us. I have taken 1 Thessalonians 5.16. I am thankful that I work for someone who allows me to put that verse in the signature of every one of my emails. Every email I send to a business person sees that verse when I respond to them. Because I'm letting them know it doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to rejoice. I am going to praise 
I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances, whether you say yes or you say no, Mr. Customer. Praise the Lord because His will has been done in it. And I'll tell you, that change of heart has changed everything for me in this new job. We don't think that the Lord moves. <laughs> the Lord moves in great and powerful ways. I told you that everything got kind of stripped away, but He has started to build it back up again because I gave it all up. I stopped trying to figure it out. When Terrence and I first started talking, I was getting ready to go to my court date. I have, you would think, being as sick to the stomach as I have been for the last six months, I'd be skinnier. <laughs> but I have not been able to stop being sick because I was worried to death about what the court date held for me. I was either going to lose my job by court force, or I'm going to get let go from my contract and be free to go. But when I decided... It doesn't matter what the judge says because God's going to be glorified in it. Whether I do lose my job, that gives me a little bit more time to focus on this stuff until I find a new job. But if I do still have this job, I now work for a company who has a proclamation of our following of Jesus Christ in the mission statement of our company. He has us right where he needs us because we are his children because He knows us, because He loves us, and because He forgives us. And knowing all these things puts us right where we need to be to do the work that we are put here to do. What is that work that we're supposed to be here to do? Thank you for asking. Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39 tells us exactly what we're supposed to be here to do. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice the word shall. In my job through the week, I deal with OSHA a lot. And their legal jargon. If they want you to do something, but it's just whatever. Do it if you want. They use the word should. But if they want you to do something, and if you don't do it, they're going to fine you heavily. They use the word shall. You shall do this. You don't have a choice. If you don't do it, there's going to be consequences to your actions. God says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. Not a little bit of it. All of it. You shall. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know. Sometimes I wouldn't want to love my neighbor as myself. Sometimes I'm not very good at loving myself. <laughs> well, you don't love me? <laughs> But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, knowing who we are allows us to be people focused on living out these two commandments. Living out these two commandments allow us to become people 
that make a difference in people's lives. Because people, we become people that are known not for what we stand, or because we become people known more for what we stand for and less for what we stand against. Being people that make a difference in people's lives is what this is all about. Knowing who we are allows us to make a difference in people's lives. Being thankful for our identity in Christ helps us to get there. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful for who you are. You are our Father. You are our Creator. You held us in your hand before we were in our mother's womb. Lord, may we be a people who understand that relationship. May we be a people who fully cling to the dynamics of that relationship. Lord, we are so thankful that you created us, so thankful that you gave your son to die on the cross for us, to stand in our place, to allow us the opportunity to have our old self crucified on that cross with your son. Lord, we're so thankful that you give beyond what we deserve. We thank you that no matter what has happened in our life, no matter where we are right this very instant, you say, come. Come to me. Lord, I pray that as we sing this last song, you will speak to the hearts of those that are here. And if someone hasn't come to you. Lord, you know who they are. We don't need to know. I pray that you move in them. Allow them to come to you and say, I'm tired. I am tired of carrying this. Father, you take it. Take it away. Because you've promised us as far as the east is from the west, you'll take that old and send it away. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that your blood has washed us clean. We are not dirty anymore. When you come into our heart, when you come into our life, when we make that decision for you, Lord, you wash it all away. The blood you shed was our cleansing. And we are thankful for that. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. As we sing this last song, the altars are open. If you would like someone to pray with you, if you haven't made a decision for Christ and you want to make that decision today, this side of the altar, if you go up the altar on this side of the wall, somebody will come and pray with you. They'll walk you through that step. They'll show you what to do. It's, it's a club. It's free to get in. It's like those those cards that you get, that everybody has 50 of them on their keychain, except this is the golden ticket. 
You don't have to do anything to earn it. You just have to pick it up. So if you want to pick it up today, come and pray. Don't wait another day. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Too many examples in our lives, someone who thinks they've got it all figured out, and tomorrow it's wiped away. Don't wait for the forgiveness that waits for you. If you want somebody to pray with you, come over to this side. Someone will come and pray with you. If you are a believer or you just want to pray and you don't want to be bothered, it's just your time with Christ, with God, come over to this side. You can pray all you want. But as we sing, feel free, the altar is open. shattered you see whole I see broken but you see beautiful and you're helping me to believe You're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty. That you can make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. What was dead now lives again.
Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified. I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me dirty rags are purified. I am clean, I'm clean, oh, oh, washed in the blood of your sacrifice. Your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified. I am and made me white. My dirty rags are purified. I am clean. Lord, we are so unworthy, but you are so giving. May we go forward this week into our day-to-day lives, especially as we spend time with our families this week, Lord, being thankful in who we are in you, knowing fully that we are your children, that we are known by you, that we are loved by you, and that we are forgiven. Lord, those are four of the greatest gifts you could have given us. And we are so thankful. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Go in peace.